everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast brought to you by Cop Left. Uh, as always, I'm joined by three of our regulars. Uh, first up in Berlin, we have Neil Patterson. Good evening, Chief. How the hell are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. How's it going with you? Ah, getting better all the time. <laughs> said nothing more than that. Uh, and moving swiftly along to Dave Dunning in Belfast. How are you this evening, Dave? Yes, doing very well. Thanks, Dave. How are you doing? As I said, getting better all the time. Um, moving swiftly along. <laughs> Ali Thompson is coming across in WFI for a change. How the hell are you? I'm grand. Good evening, chaps. Nice to be on again. Well, listen, we're, we started waffling and we decided to stop and start this podcast properly. And obviously our, our 2-1 recovery to win at the weekend against Stoke. And basically, you know, I want to start it off with that first half. Um, you, you know, basically for me, it was probably the worst I've seen us this season. It looked like a Brendan Rodgers performance, to be honest with you. Uh, I know you guys have got differing opinions on this uh, and so on. But I'll start with Chief. Like, that first half was dire. A really, really, really dire. It was. I mean, there's not really much getting away from it or you can't really get away from it but um, yeah I mean we was, was sort of alluding to it there a minute ago before we started recording it it, it looked like a, you know we had the 3-5-2 or 5-3-2 formation as it, as it sort of worked out and it looked like a you know a group of players that hadn't really played that often together and certainly hadn't played that system too often and didn't really know what they were doing there were a lot of changes in terms of uh, shifting people around the position. Milner going into midfield. Not convinced he actually played in midfield, but uh, nominally he was a he was a midfielder. Nathaniel Klein coming over to the left was probably one of our poorest performers in that half. Obviously, you know, the switch to the left he's done at left back before and it hasn't been too bad, but I think then putting him, we all know he's not that great going forward and being on his wrong side as well, that probably didn't help him. Obviously, we didn't have any Coutinho, we didn't have any from Mino. We had the two young lads in, Trent and Woodburn. Yeah, they, they, for me, they did all right. I mean, I don't know, it's difficult to tell, but Trent seemed to do better for me than Woodburn. Woodburn sort of grew into the half a bit. The first 10, 15 minutes, he looked completely... He just looked off the pace. He looked slow. He looked like a, he looked like he was playing at under-23 pace in a, in a first-team game. And it took him a little while to get into it. And once he did, he, there were a few flashes. There were a few moments. There was that one where he went on that run and never really properly got it from under his feet, never really lifted the head up. I've heard some people kind of blame RG for not making the right run. But, I mean, for me, RG's in acres in a decent position and Woodburn doesn't actually get his head up at any point. Um, and, OK, it's understandable. He's 17. Uh, but because of that, and, and perhaps because the players then weren't really exuding a lot of trust in each other or displaying a lot of trust in each other, maybe holding on to the ball a bit too long, maybe taking that extra touch, maybe being a bit that bit more indecisive, and it all added up, as you said, Dave, to make it into a pretty abject first half performance. Having said that, we only went in at the break one nil, and to be fair, it was a Bit of a spawny goal, um, for want of a better word. Bit of a lucky goal. They sort of hit us on the break. Well, they do hit us on the break, really. And it, it comes from a moment where Woodburn possibly could have had a penalty. There was certainly a shout. Might have been a free kick on the edge. Definitely contact. Definitely clumsy. 
guy goes to the ground in the box, doesn't get the ball, does make contact with the man. So it's a bit of a breakaway from that, comes immediately afterwards. At the same time, as I said, we were poor. Um, but I think at 1-0 at halftime, we were a bit almost lucky to go in 1-0 at halftime. Uh, Stoke had, probably had the better of the play in the first half. But again, having said that, they didn't create too many clear-cut chances. They weren't very good themselves. And, you know, they, they aren't very good. When we turn up the heat a bit in the second half or considerably in the second half, they couldn't live with it. But I think they'll be kicking themselves for not taking more advantage of our weakness in the first half. Um, but having said that, if we'd have got the halftime 1-0, it's 43 minutes, I think, the 43rd minute when we can see that goal. If we get the halftime 0-0 uh, and the plan was maybe always to, to bring on the big guns at halftime or at least one of the, one of the first team players at halftime, uh, Firmino or Coutinho, then maybe we'd have been saying it, talking about it slightly differently. Uh, the fact we conceded made it perhaps, I don't know what's the word, perhaps um, emphasised the, the the kind of poorness of the performance. Uh, but yeah, it was a makeshift team, needs must. I'm not too concerned about the selections that he made because I think that he didn't really have much choice in terms of personnel. I was a bit more uh, surprised at, at all the changes that he made in terms of position, moving so many players around. And I think we were disjointed and I think that was a direct result of, of that. No, I hear you, Neil. You know, we discussed, I think, on the, on the last pod in depth, really, about, you know, giving Firmino a break and so on. And in that regard, I you know, I know he was rolling the dice and whatnot, but I'm just sort of wary that, you know, we complain that these kids don't get enough time, then they do get a, t- a chance, and I'm standing going, you know, oh, it's not the time for it, you know, too much at mm-hmm. risk and so on. Ali, where where do you stand on this one, you know, and, and your your thoughts on the first half? The first half was atrocious. I mean, there's no no going about it. I agree with what you had said on the previous pod that Firmino needs a rest, but don't drop both of them at the same time. I know Coutinho had been ill leading up to the game, but if, if he's well enough to be on the bench, just start him. Just take the gamble and then have to bring him off. Then you'd at least had Firmino on the bench to, to replace him with. The, the, the bit that really got me was the, the change of formation and the lack of days of training. It. Why, why don't we try that formation after the international break when you've got such a long period of time? Um, that, I think that was the most frustrating bit for me with the, not so much the lineup per se, was more the, the the system. We kind of threw Trent and Woodburn, who were in different positions to what they had been playing in the games, the minutes they had received. So, yeah, that was the biggest thing. Their goal, I mean, Neil, Neil claimed it was lucky. Three of our defenders were absolutely atrocious in the build-up to that. Klein just didn't look interested. Clavan, no idea what he was doing, and that goes for the full game. And Lovren just stood and watched. Just, just embarrassing. I think Migs made a really good save in the first half. Um, so we were, we were fortunate to be just one 0 down. I'm just glad we got to half time. We're the only one conceded. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I mentioned that we were lucky to get to half time one 0 because we, we were pretty poor and Stoke really should have capitalised more. And the goal, yeah, Lovren just watching that. That was ah, you're looking at it happen. But I, with Clavin as well, I mean, and again, it goes back to your point. Uh, I agree with you totally, Ali, about the, the formation. You know, you're playing Clavin at, at the left side of a centre back. Um, he's he's being pulled out towards the touchline, and he's having loads of problems being out there. He doesn't want to be out there. That's not his game. 
you've also got Klein, as you said, didn't look interested, but also, you know, out of position, wrong side of the pitch, and playing as wing-back when we know he's not a very good attacking full-back as it is. You know, he can maybe get away playing left-back, but left wing-back is, is, is a bit of a step too far. And, yeah, I would just echo that, that the, the, not necessarily the, the selection, but, but the way that they were set up. Yeah, it left a lot to be desired, but, I mean, at least he did sort of remedy that at half-time. I mean, if we're going to play with wing-backs, surely this has to be the time we play Moreno. I'm not mad in thinking that, are we? He's that stubborn. No. Old Ali, I think that's the problem. You know, we talked about stubbornness there pre-pod. And, and it's clear, Moreno just does not have a part to play in Liverpool anymore. You know what I mean? If, as you rightly say, if he doesn't get on for that game or even get a look in in that game, it, it, it's over. Like he, He's obviously just not even in consideration. No, that's it. I mean, I, I, you, you summed it up. I mean, that, that's the game that's tailor-made for, for Moreno. You know, all these people who say you can't defend and positional sense is terrible. Well, you play him in a, in a wing-back role where the identity of that role is going forward. So, yeah, I, I think his future's gone. I mean, we discussed pre-pod about potential sales, obviously, with players, and he's another one that's just going to bring in income for us. I, I can't see him wanting to sit on the bench any longer. Dave, you not going to jump in here? Well, sure. But just we're having a nice conversation, so... <laughs> well, all right. Um... <laughs> I think, yeah, it just goes to show how much he doesn't trust Moreno, doesn't it? He just doesn't trust him at all. Um, I don't, it's no real surprise because the, the switch climb over the, the left wing back position, which essentially is, that is Moreno's position. He's not a left winger. He's not a, a full back by any fucking stretch of the imagination. He is a wing back. And if any system's going to suit him, it's going to be that one. And he just thought, no for whatever reason and you know we can sit and, and and complain about how much this doesn't make sense um, as much as we want but every time he was in the side we'd fucking something to complain about as well so you know it's six of one half a dozen half a dozen of another for me in that regard he talked about the formation looking at the personnel he used it can only tell me that that formation was pre-planned because yeah. there's He's it. It looked, and I think you said right. It looked like kind of round pegs and square holes in the first half um, because of the personnel. So that can only tell me that he was absolutely committed to playing that way. And I can only imagine that was because it was against Stoke away from home. And he imagined that that they would go Crouch Walters kind of same way they did at Anfield. So do you know what? Don't be surprised if he does the same next week away to West Brom. I can see it, but it'll be different personnel, would it? Well, hopefully, oh, fucking hopefully, it'll be different personnel. The positive you can take from this, I think it's fortunate these two games came back to back where we can do it here and do it straight away again next week. It's a bit of a precursor to what's going to come next week, I believe. But as I say, hopefully we don't see, see the same personnel. When you talk about the goal, guys, I'm going to be honest. I think Lovren is least culpable. I think he's least culpable. I think Clavin fucking... Klein is poor, no doubt about it. Lex, let's our out of this, get behind him far too easily. I think it is. Clavin comes and then he stops. He, he tries to tackle when Shakiri's already passed him. And really what he should do is just show him down the outside and try and make the cross difficult. Make it difficult. So then Matip has to come over. and But he doesn't really come over. He kind of thinks, do I stay with my man or do I, do I like go and, and, and close the cross down? And he doesn't do either of those things. And then it's like this half-hearted attempt where he turns his back. 
And what that leaves you with is Clavering with Walters in front of him and two men behind him with Trent fucking trying to get back in. So, you know, I think it's harsh to mention him in that debacle, but the point is that that's just systematic of the goals that we concede. It's multiple errors, one consecutively after another, which creates a really clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity for, for other teams. Because they don't have to work hard to score goals against us. That one there was also, uh, you mentioned it, and we mentioned there are three of them. That sort of, You said the one on Lovren's a bit harsh. But you've got Matty, you've got Clavin, and you've got um, Klein. And I think that's all a little bit systemic in the sense of the way we're playing that day and that Klein isn't comfortable where he is and he fucks that up. Clavin isn't comfortable where he is and not quite sure what he's doing. Matip's thinking, do a stable man, do a come across. Is this my man? Is this not? I think the whole, just just not having played that very often at all massively contributed to that goal because they, they essentially walked it in like... I agree, Neil. And when you're playing players essentially out of position, the likes of Klein, the likes of Clavin, you know, that that's not his game trying to... We've seen how exposed he's been in the past with balls into that channel. And to play him out that left hand, the, le- the left side of the three, I think is, you know, it's fucking asking for trouble because he doesn't even have a fullback then to cover him, not really, which is no. why he ends up getting sucked away out there. So um, it's... And then you've what what the other thing you have is, is Lovren out, out the right of the three. So... And, and he's used to playing on the left. So it's, yeah, you're you're totally right. Um, it's people learning a new formation and not just learning a new formation, but playing in a com- not not a slightly different position, a completely fucking alien position to them. And Klein was so poor in the first half that I really, really felt for him because that's like totally not his game. On the wrong side, asking to be asking to do an, an attacking role more so than a defensive role, and having to cover for who essentially is probably our weakest defender, let's be honest, behind him. So, yeah, I, everybody has their issues with Klein, but that, that's... We're that's setting up for a fall. Really. Yeah, like, you're, 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 you're not setting up to win. You're not. Absolutely not. So, we'll see what happens next week. It's going it's to be interesting, but I hope to see a bit of a personnel change. The one thing that I can take from it is, isn't it great when you've got like really boss players to bring off the bench and just win the game for you? That was, that was, I mean, it's the first time, was, well, in a long time. Yeah. Maybe we've had it once or twice this season. It was the first time in a long time we've looked at the bench and gone, fuck, nice. Like, imagine, like, imagine looking next season and you can just go, well, do you know what? Things aren't really going our way at halftime, so we'll just bring on um, Coutinho, Firmino and Sturridge and just go into score a couple of goals and win the game. Brilliant. Yeah, with an even better first team. That would just be... Uh... That'd be nice, man. That was, I mean, it was a strong bench, and we did bring them on at halftime. And you know, I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit, like. But the, I mean, they, they changed the game, and it was, it was, they changed it almost instantly. I mean, you, you could see it straight away within five minutes. Neil, I think, I think what you're missing there is, you know, what we saw was whenever Firmino came on, it was Firmino that we knew that's been missing for for like maybe three, four weeks. Um, that, that 45 minutes of the bench just seemed to sort of. It's it, whatever it did, it did him good. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, you could see instantly it was back to what what we'd be complaining about last week, the fact that he was pretty anonymous and so on in games. And I thought that he sort of, I thought he did really, really well. Phil as well, whenever you consider that he, he was far from, from being perfect, you know, with uh, being feeling well even. 
Um, such a change, such a turnaround. I didn't see it coming. You know, it, it just shows the importance of those two and the importance of the two of them playing together as well. And and it's a thing that I've seen down here. If you see them interviewed basically in the Brazilian media and so on, they keep citing each other as, you know, they're they're almost like fucking Siamese twins joined at the hip, you know what I mean? Um, they get, get on and off the Brazil team bus, basically joined at the hip. And any interviews that they give down here, it's all about the other one, if you know what I mean. So mm. it's clearly they have an understanding on the pitch and clearly the two of them together, as demonstrated, are the way forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they're electric when they're on it and they and they always look for each other. Um, and what makes it a little... What, what adds to that is when there are other players on the pitch that they also really trust and they bring in the play. I think Emery Chan's one. I think they work really well uh, with him. And they're just fabulous. You know, Firmino... We were getting a bit of stick last week, although I did mention that even even though he wasn't um, wasn't at his at his hundred percent best, he was still he still provided a couple of assists in in the last couple of games, and then to come on to make the difference that he did to score a goal like that, um, and really just just demoralised, just ruined stuff. And I have no doubt that um, it was the two goals in in two minutes that just killed him. They just thought, fuck this, we're not coming back into this. And and that was that. Like I mean, they they looked apart from the Berahino chance, which is pretty much what thirty seconds, a minute and a half, something like that after the Firmino goal. After that one doesn't go in. Then I mean, that's them them done. It's one hundred and twenty six um, seconds, apparently. There you go, a minute and a half, uh, two minutes, just over two minutes. And that was, I mean, that I suppose we we could give Al uh, Simon a shout as well. Minnelli makes a, a couple of brilliant saves, although I can't understand why nobody has really mentioned that the fucking Charlie Adam one was offside. Oh, totally. It's totally offside. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when the header comes Adam, back in from Berahino. Ronaldo. Yeah. yeah. So Berahino's offside. Berahino's offside. He's miles off. How it's totally. not given is, is, and how no fucking pundit or podcaster has fucking mentioned it. The only, the only person I heard that from on uh, TV was um, Gary Gillespie on the LFC TV commentary. The only one that brought it up, like, Berahino is fucking a yard and a half offside. But um, yeah, it's ridiculous because there's yeah. not even there's not even a Liverpool player anywhere near it. There are three it's of not, them. There's there's at least three of them. It's and mad. as soon as it hits Adam, they're all offside. But Berahino actually touches it back to Adam. Yeah, I, but to be fair, he should score. The second one, the second, the second one is unbelievable. It's, um, it's uh, yeah, the second save is un- unbelievable. And the thing that makes it even better for me is the way that ball's coming in. It he's worrying not just about fucking Berahino getting in, but he's worried about Clavin touching it too. So he mm-hmm. has to wait until the very last minute, and he just manages to stick his fucking knee out and how he gets enough on it to get it around the post it's just it's beyond belief so yeah you've got fucking pelters in the past Mignolet but fair you play one is three points fair play two we'll, points yeah. yeah yeah we'll take that we'll take that and you look back and you look back in seasons and talk about big moments and that might be a big moment coming into the season it's, who knows it was a big half it was a big half of football not only do you have as we've just mentioned there, um, the, the two great Mignolet saves, because even though it was offside, it wasn't given. The linesman's fucking nowhere. He doesn't have a clue. He's looking for his flag up his ass at that point. The the two goals, the turnaround, which 
began this kind of part of the, the conversation of that's huge. You're 1-0 down at half time. You've had an abject first half. You've played some kids. Uh, it hasn't quite worked out. You've changed the system. That hasn't quite worked out. And you've got two lads on the bench, one of whom you've basically run to the ground all season and is fucking wrecked and hasn't been on form. And one of whom has been poking his ring for essentially the last six days or four days or whatever and wasn't up to starting. And you bring them on and you turn the game around in 15 minutes or 20 minutes and you take it away from the other team. So you've got big performances there from your two lads that you're... You know, that you're entrusting to come on and, and you're begging, please, please save us the game, win us the game. They do it. And then the lad in between the sticks who has had pelters from fans for a long time and, and pretty much deservedly so on a, a lot of occasions and perhaps not on, on other occasions, um, who pulls off two absolute, absolute worldies. I mean, we can all have our opinions on Mignolet, but very, very few keepers would save either one of those, never mind both. I mean, they were Dudek-style saves, Istanbul-style saves, and that's a huge three points. Nick, we were saying you're last... You're talking about Mingle there. Sorry to butt in on you, mate, but but seriously, there's talk now, you know, oh, he's going to do for us next season. He's got he's fucking... No, not. no, that, that's, that's not, not true, though. He's he, not going to do next season. He's not He's not a great keeper. He's not no, what he's we not need. close to great. He's, he's no, bang on but that was, average. They were fabulous saves. And in the context of the game only, just those three points, which for me, I think, and you everyone will laugh because every three points is the most important three points of the season and whatever, you know how it is. But for me, after after the, the Bournemouth result and how everyone was feeling last week and everyone was saying, you know, we're, we're going to throw it away. Look at the teams we've got left. We're away at Stoke. We've got no fit players. We're going to lose. And even during the game, you know, in the groups and, and the people I was watching it with, you know, a lot of defeatism, a lot of defeatism. And to turn it around, it's fucking monumental to get those three points and grind it out, turn it around, turn on the style when you have to make those last-ditch saves and come out with three points at the end of it and still be sitting where we are, which is in third position ahead of Man City, now nine points clear of Arsenal, still six points clear of, of United, still two points clear of City, a superior goal difference with fewer games to go and having proved now to the, both the fans and the players that they can win those games. Fucking monumental. For me, that was a massive, massive three points and they are huge moments in the season, both both the goals and the saves. Neil, there's another side of it as well. Like, the, the, you know, the teams sort of that we're challenging for this fourth spot with are reverting to being us in the process. Like, Arsenal were, I mean, they were dreadful on Monday. And, you know, like, I have been very, very, very negative on top four and very playing it down and I didn't think we could do it. I don't think we're doing it. I think the other teams around us are, are, are just doing what we do to them every year and just handed them on a bloody plate. Uh, and, and it's very welcome, don't get me wrong. But with, with every week it goes by, if we put another three points on the board here this weekend, which I, I believe we can do, I, I truly do believe we can, we can beat West Brom, I think we've one foot in the Champions League next season. Yeah, I mean, I would go along with that. Stoke was a big one, like I said. Um they hadn't been on a good run, but they they were capable and they took the lead and we gave them all the encouragement we could. But you're absolutely right in, in the fact that the teams around us aren't doing what they should be doing. Arsenal, you said it last week on the pod, you thought they'd lost it, you thought they were imploding. And I would absolutely go along with that. They were thoroughly embarrassed 
by Crystal Palace. And one thing Arsenal generally and genuinely aren't is embarrassed by small clubs away from home. It doesn't happen to them. Um, they beat those teams year in, year out, twice a season usually. The odd time they might they might have a draw, but they, they don't lose those games and they certainly don't lose them in the ignominious manner that they did on Monday. And that's, if you look at their um, their results, um, I don't have them right to hand, but I might check them now. But their their um, results recently are woeful. I mean, there, there was a point where they'd, won, they'd lost four and five and that was only only a few weeks ago. They've now lost, lost another one. You know, so they're not making it. You know, they're not turning around. We, we've all said that they have um, the big teams left to play. They needed to beat Palace because they're not going to take points off Spurs. They're not. They may get one. They're not going to get three. They're not going to get three points off United. I can't see that happening. So I mean, they're 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 done, basically. And yeah, they're helping us massively. United still have their games, but they've got Europa League. But I think we are. I think we've already got one foot in the top four and I think if we win the next two games we're in we're in yeah I agree I was along the same lines as you Dave about uh, it feels like the other teams are are handing us top four um, but even Devlin said I'm, in the I'm, chat I'm like, Ali we're taking right. it because we've done it for them fucking how many seasons you know what I mean? You're, we're taking it and, and that's fair but we, we are on course to finish on a tally that would qualify for top four in most seasons Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so we are doing our doing our own job. But I was along the lines of you. It does feel like we're being handed it by others because that run in January was so bad that any competent team during that period of time, and we should have been out of the race by then. I I go along the lines of if we do continue to c- accumulate points the way we have been, then we 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 deserve a top four place because we'll have earned enough points to get a top four place. This is a strange, strange season with. There's never been six teams competing for the top four before. For a lot of seasons, well, there wasn't not April, even... Dave, not, not this stage in April. No, and for a lot of seasons, don't forget, there wasn't even really any more than four teams competing for the top four. It just depended on what order those four teams it was came the in, four, in the top four. Always. So this is completely new. And like I've already said, we have, in my opinion, the weakest squad in terms of depth out of those six teams. So for us to for us to be in a position we are now is is a huge achievement. But with Coutinho coming back into form, you've seen Firmino. I don't know whether it was a, whether it was a kick up the arse for him or whether he just needed just a little break to get back. Who knows? We might have Sturridge for another fucking ten days before he gets injured again, and he might make a difference in the next match. So things are looking good for us. Our run-ins great. City's run-ins. Pretty favourable as well, but you're right. Arsenal, Arsenal, of Arsenal are fucked. They're fucked. They're gone, and that win would have probably signalled the end of their fight for a top four place. What it might have done though is is give United a little bit of a a little bit of encouragement because they know it's not they know it's not six anymore. It's five, and they don't need to worry about Arsenal. So they're just concentrating on trying to get above one of us or City. They're, they're running. Dave. They're running. And do you know what? We can go away from the terrible running. Isn't the terrible running? Oh, isn't it so terrible for them? Fuck them. They've played pish all season, and they've still... lost five yeah. of their last eight. They've lost five of their last eight games. They've only won twice. 
in eight games. And don't, and take, away, I guess, don't take anything away from Palace and all of that, because I thought they were really, really good to beat them. Like They, they were, really were very good. They were very, very good. They were. But Arsenal, as much as they were good, Arsenal let them be good. Arsenal didn't look like they wanted to score a goal. Um, no fight they, in them whatsoever. No, no, there's no fight and there's no balls. Uh, and there's no desire or... Well, do you know what, Dave? Do you know what? It's, it's a nice segue on to a point which I wanted to touch on. So I'm just going to throw this to you. We've, we've talked Henderson's about the... <laughs> yes, we know. But I know that isn't going to change. When he wins goal of the season, I will tweet and retweet and retweet you for the remainder of the following season. I hope anyway, he does. That means to be worth 1.5 million instead of 1 million. <laughs> <laughs> that, that win... That win on Saturday was um, the 17th point we've won from losing positions this season, and that is more than any other side in the league. So for me, that characterises Bottle, and that characterises the desire and the determination and the belief to go and win a game of football, no matter how fucking brutally awful you are in 45 minutes. So, you know, I don't know what you guys think about that, but there's certainly flaws on our team, but I don't think I don't think the the belief and the desire and the bottle to go and win a game of football when things aren't going your way is one of them. No, I would agree. I've always been uh, skeptical of the, the the bottle point. I mean, I know that it it can sometimes come across like that, and it, it you know you, you can think. Why are they not doing it? Why are they not chasing it more? Why you know they're going down without a fight? They're they're clueless. They're they're not. But I think there are often other reasons for that collective head going down. Whatever it is, you know, whatever's playing on on players' minds, it's it's not necessarily bottle. And as you say, man, seventeen points from from losing positions, it's big. You know, I give you, you the month you, of January just to fucking burst your bubble, lads. January was was awful. We had a dip. A massive dip, you know. Wheels fell off, but most important thing, they got put back on again. And even more importantly, there were only fucking two league games in January. I think the fact, I think, the, three. I, think the, I think the point here is the wheels came back on when it really mattered, when it yeah. really started to get fucking hairy, and people really started to get worried. And we've anxious. seen this tail off from here and finish seventh. Well, yeah. Finished. Here's an, an interesting angle on this one. You know, who would you credit with uh, the wheels coming back on again? Do you think that that's something that Klopp and his staff have taken into hand, or do you think it's the players themselves actually realizing what a fucking pack of wankers they were in January? Probably a bit of, bit of both. I mean, I think Klopp's obviously, you know, and his team they're they're there every day, so they have to manage the situation for a season and. Suppose you run any business in a year, you might have a, a bad patch. If you do anything in a year, you, there might be a, a few weeks where, you know, shit just gets fucked up for want of a proper English phrase, like. But um, you've got to get through that, and you've got to pull people back together, and you've got to say, you know, we did we did so brilliantly in the, in the first half of the year. You know, let's recapture a bit of that. Let's we can do it. We have this belief. It's, it it all goes in with the the narratives that spring up around the club, like the narrative of uh, not being able to beat weaker teams, and bus park teams, whatever. We did, we have done. We just forgot for a few weeks. It, it didn't work for us. The cups dragged us down. 
you know, you're playing your Plymouths, you're playing your Wolves, you know, you, you play, we played Southampton, who are essentially our, our fucking nemesis because they just sat and sat and sat and they actually had the players to do it and they, they nicked it in the League Cup semi. You've got injuries, you've got players being away and you've got players coming back and looking at each other and going, hey, you know, you're back, we can play, you're fit again, great. We can do this. You know, the likes of the Manes and the Coutinho's and the Firmino's and the Sturges and the Emery Chans and all of them, when they're on the pitch together, you know, it's a, it's a completely different ball game than, than when two or three of them are missing. And I think we saw that at the weekend again. Uh, we, we touched on it with uh, dropping them both and then bringing them both on at the, at the same time and the, and the double impact. And, and in a way, that I, I would sort of say that while I, I totally see Ali's point from earlier about starting with one of them and then you've got the other to replace, I mean, I think it was the double impact made a big difference. Um, and then also the addition of Sturridge again um, on 65 just, just puts another seed of doubt into in the Stoke players' minds. So, yeah, a bit of both. Obviously, as I said, Klopp manages the situation day to day, so you've got to give him and his team a lot of credit. But you've also got to give the players some credit for turning it around because it was an abject January, but luckily, um, uh, positively for them and and for the future, for this season and for the future, that they have turned it around at this point. Guys, Dave Valley, does it, does, it, does it matter, really, who's responsible for it? I mean... For me, I would like to think it was Klopp and his team were responsible for it by sort of giving them a kick up the arse to the deserve sort of thing, and and that was his motivation that brought it. You know what I mean? That's meant to be a world class manager. That's why I was. That's why I was throwing it out there. A bit devilish, like, but you know where I'm coming from. Look, January. If I look back now, it was just it, it was a shock to my system. I think it was a shock to all our systems that we had this lauded world class manager, which we're thankful to have. Don't don't get me wrong. I just never imagined a slump like that happening under Klopp's watch, not from the position that we were in. And and, and I think it makes the question that I did pose fair based on that, Dave. It is a fair question. You can only assume that it's the manager. But, you know, for me, that, that's where the manager earns his money. You know, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about you can talk about formations and, and player selections, etc. But, you know, you've got to get through to your team exactly what, you want them to do and you've also got to motivate them to do it to the absolute best of their ability we've seen on countless occasions players just be revitalized by a new manager or just fucking down tools Allardyce has come in and, and Palace look a fucking completely different proposition you looked at how Chelsea players down tools for, for Mourinho the same with, with Ranieri at Leicester and, and, and the response that they've had um, since um, Shakespeare's come in, so it, it's I can only assume it's a manager, but the players have to take credit for being able to go out there and actually deliver it in the pitch. So it is both, but honestly, I don't give a shit, mate. I don't give a shit. This six games to go, it's about getting enough points in the board that get you into that top four. Um, and change your summer and change the following season and change the following season after that. So, as I've said before, for me, we, should, we shouldn't be looking behind us. We should be looking at City and we should be thinking to ourselves, we can go and we can snatch third off them um, and do without that horrible fucking qualifier. So you so, could get knocked out in the qualifier. There is you know, 
there is form for that, like it's 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 not it's it, and and even if even if it doesn't happen, it still doesn't mean it's going to be an easy game. It's going to be a fucking horrible start to the season. So and a stressful and anxious start to the season. So essentially, you're not in the Champions League and, until you get through that or you get the third spot. So for me, I'm aiming for third. Yeah, well, I mean, we're in third. I like. I mean, keep playing, keep winning. Third's ours. I mean. City do have that one game in hand, but uh, that game in hand is against United, and it's plausible that that could end up in a draw. Obviously, it's at the Etihad, so I would expect City to probably win, especially since they battered United earlier in the season, but then they were on a real roll at that stage. But then they don't have European football to distract them. However, you know, they've still got to, they've still got to go away to Arsenal, uh, the game in hands against City. Other than that, their fixtures aren't too bad. Now, Southampton away, you can always drop points there, as we said. That could always end up 1-1 or a 0-0. But um, the big one, I suppose, is... Uh, well, Arsenal's actually in the in the cup. I look at it. So the, their big one is, is away at City. Or home against United, sorry. After that, you know, you expect them to win their final few games. They've got Palace at home. Leicester at home, West Brom at home, and then they finish the day, uh, finish the season away at Watford. Um, but it's definitely doable because there are points there that can drop. But we need to to go on and win our games now if we're going to get third. But but I think we've enough. I think we've enough to if if not take that third place, then then we'll certainly get fourth. And I think that will be a successful season if we do. Obviously, we we sort of. After a great start, we're looking at winning the league and stuff. But nobody, I mean, before the season, nobody expected us to be challenging. None of us well, expected us to be challenging. Your prize, isn't it, for not winning the league? Yeah, I tell you what, exactly. As, every, as you rightly take say, it. every single one of us would have taken it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Because as Dave just said, it sorts the next, it sorts your summer out, the caliber of players you're going to track, sorts your next season out. And if you go from there and, and get in again, then, you know, you get on, on the road, you you know. And like we were, as was referenced earlier, the Big Four and Grand Slam Sunday. You remember those Grand Slam Sundays where the, the Big Four <laughs> would, be, would be playing each other on Sky? Like, um, and then we were very much part of that, you know, very, very much. We were the Big Four at, at the only time that there really has been a legitimate Big Four as in every season, these four were going to be in the, in the top four. Only the positions were up, up for negotiation, really. Exactly. Where they finished. Absolutely right. And that, that was the Rafa years, basically. And that's what we want to get back to. And hopefully this is the start of it. Ali, you're far too quiet. Talk to us. I'm just agreeing with everything you're saying, really. Um, there's not really much more I can add. Um, on Dave's question um, earlier about, I mean, does it matter? I, I don't think it does. But I, I, I agree with you, Dave, as well. I mean, you'd like to think it is Klopp. He's the one that's to be there long term over the players. Um, we obviously, where we hope players will be upgraded. So you hope he is there and he's keep. Um, but does it matter? No. Um, and as far as top four goes, like if we get top four, whether it be third or fourth, I, I don't care what's happened this season. We start afresh in the summer. I mean, I'm just. I think we've got top four now in the bag, which is strange to say after kind of how negative. I've, Negative. I've been. Oh, you were on recently, my wagon that we weren't going to get it for a long time as well. Yeah, I've, I'm about to lose fifty pound to the the Hillsborough charity over it. Just I was that convinced that we weren't going to make it. But look, it's a fifty pound well spent and it's going to a good cause. And we've got top four out of it, so it's a it's a no lose. 
Um, I don't. I don't think we'll get third. I, I just think City have got too easy a run in, and we would need to not lose. You didn't think we. You didn't think we'd get top four either, Ali. I no, I didn't. I said that. I'm telling you. That's what I'm I said. telling you. Let's look at third because Ali will stick with you because I say you've been quiet there. You know, we go to West Brom this weekend. What What are your thoughts? I, you know, I I don't know why, but I think I think we're beating them. I, and you know, for a Tony Pulis team, I can't believe I'm saying that we're going to go away and beat them. But I just think that with it being so close. I think he'll get them those boys together this week, and and you'll really drill it into their head that. Like like us, probably they're looking at it the same way, that another win makes us really, really, really difficult to catch. No, I agree. I, um, I, I think we win this one as well. Um, I'm not as confident that it'll be, it'll be comfortable in any way. I think it'll be a typical Tony Poulos uh, doggy performance we'll get, but I'm confident we'll win. My, my fear is the Palace game coming up, um, but as the guys said in the chat, I mean they're going to be without Sacco, and that's a massive difference for no, them. But, but Ali, I'm, I'm, I'm factoring a draw in for that. Now the draw yeah, win can be, can be swapped yeah. around. It's four points for the next two. Four two points games. in the next two yeah. games, and I think that's it. I think top four is confirmed after that. I really do. I think United will drop points, and and as the guy said earlier, I mean Arsenal are out of it. Their their heads have gone. I'm just waiting on Wenger being confirmed for another two years just to just to make the season that bit better. It would give me such a chuckle because I've heard that that's been on that that contract was signed a while yeah, ago. Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah, yeah. I, I won your extension, but it's going to be beautiful to see Arsenal fans. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be beautiful. I think they're fucked either way, to be honest. Do you not have a certain degree of sympathy for them? Because we, you know, we've fucking we've gone through. No, they're you know absolute. I mean? They're absolute ball bags. They're the worst I, fans. But in they England. would say that the so, You know, I just. I, you well, know, that's fine. They'd be wrong, though, Dave. I just, They'd be wrong. <laughs> they're definitely the worst. Fans. I, I'm going back. They're to the worst. They're dreadful. They're dreadful. And you know what? This is. I. This is. This is the end of a cycle. It's the end of a cycle, the same way Ferguson's cycle came to the an end. Same way as ours, and this is came to an end. And that's the same way as ours. And even for United, I have a degree of sympathy, you know, because like you guys, probably, what's wrong? What? No sympathy for the devil. You got sympathy for the devil. Hang on. Like, I, I'm I'm the one old enough to remember us winning titles and a lot of them. And do you know when you start winning them, it's the fucking most horrible feeling. It is the most horrible feeling. You boys joined a party like while that horrible thing has been going on. And you know when you when you. Well, do you know what, Dave? They can feel for fucking us instead of feeling for fucking Arsenal and United. But I'm talking about from a football fan's. Yeah, I'm talking about a pure football fan. You know, I do have like not all United fans are pricks. Not all Arsenal fans are pricks. For the genuine football fans out there, and there's a lot of them decent, and and there are. There's no two ways about it. I have genuine, like I do have genuine sympathy because I can empathise totally with what they're going through. Because when we we get knocked off our perch, so to speak, um, well, it took a brave while for him to do it, but you know what I mean. We were we were in the wilderness a long time. It is it it's it's the most horrible feeling in the world because you you believe it's your God given right, and it's taken me years to understand that it's not Liverpool's God given right to win the title. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand what you're saying, and I sort of jumped in at the tail end of when we were still winning things. I mean, I, I suppose I already got into, properly got into supporting Liverpool about 86, 87. So I had a few years and it, it was pretty hard to come. I mean, to be honest, there's the denial for the first few years. I mean, the, the Sunez era, I was able to just go, okay, this, this was a bit of a disaster, but 
will come back. And then the Evans era was was reasonably good. And we had a few seasons where we were in the running and then we, we kind of blew up uh, around January or around February. And you're in that denial phase where we all thought we were going to win the league in the 90s at some point. We all thought we'd win it. Yeah, and then when Rafa came, even Julio, we, we came second twice in his in his tenure. Uh, we won European, uh, what was it, UEFA Cup then. Uh, of course, then we went on and we won the Champions League. And we really thought we would probably win a league. That whole time, I think, until Rafa left, we kidded ourselves that we'd win the league next year. Um, but there, but there was it, a stage, Neil, if with the right owners and the right investment. You know, when we had the best, we probably could have. If we'd have just had the right investment one season, yeah, no two, there, there was. we would have won. But, but was, this is but, this is but, the, this is the thing. This is the thing. It takes it takes something really special to create like this perfect storm, so to speak, where everything is right at the same time yeah and you'll you, you'll see these you, you see what you've spoken about and, and how you basically summarized our last 30 years in, in in a couple of minutes don't be surprised if you see that same type of pattern with manchester united and yeah. now that that same type of pattern with arsenal as well because yeah. you know where do, where do they go from here you know they're not just going to go out and get the best manager in the world they're not they've, in the Champions they've, they've, they've League. Tried. United have tried, and it's not working for them. And, and that's, and, yeah, and guys, that's Manchester just, United. Can I, can I just jump in? Because there's a the big difference here, the massive difference is that when we fell off our perch, so to speak, the game of football was in, in disarray. Um, you, you know, there wasn't anywhere even a, a, a percent, one percent of the money that, that <laughs> that's running around today. It's 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 insane. Like so. A powerhouse like Manchester United in today's financial world, they may have a few years in the wilderness. Can I see them going 30? Sadly, not. Maybe not 30, but they've already been how many? Five? You know, it's already well, been the, five. It's only They've only qualified for the Champions League, wasn't it? Twice in the last four? It's once in the last four, if, if you include this year. So, you know, the, I understand what you're saying, Dave, and it's a valid point. However, what I would say is, at that time you didn't have that strength around the top end of the table that you do now. True. You weren't, com- you weren't competing with five Anyone, Anyone could have won it. When you, uh, apart from us, we, we won it every year, right, uh, for a long time. Well, we, we fought with Everton in, in the mid-80s, then we fought with... Before that, we fought with Man City and Nottingham Forest. And yeah, we sort of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. Was, then, then Leeds won it. Then we were, we were kind of fighting with the um, Villa were around it. Man United then started coming up and, and they uh, began to, to really challenge and they won their first, what, 92, 93, was it? And, but any team could win it then. Now, as you say, it's concentrated. Okay, you had the Leicester anom- anomaly last year, but, you know, that, that, that was a perfect storm. That was a flash in the pan. That's not going to be repeated. You know, I, that's, I believe, that, you see the European ban from football that we had for all those years as well, Neil. It hurt not just us, but it hurt us, I think, the most out of all the teams. But, you know, because like, really it was the old sport. I think Everton with fans would probably argue it hurt them the most. Oh, well, but, uh, you can see they, they have a point, but you, you know what I mean. And they do. Were the and European they do. powerhouse of, of, of England. You know, when, when you thought of uh, English teams in Europe, you only thought about Liverpool back then. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we, were, we were head and shoulders, and those teams... 
were magnificent. I think this is the thing with the English game, though, Dave, that you've, you've had essentially like pretty much 40 years of one team dominating, by and large. And the last few years, you haven't seen one team like pick up the mantle and say, we're going to be the dominant team in this country. And I think people are still waiting for that to happen. And it isn't going to happen. It's no, not. There's, there's too much competition now. There's, there's too much competition. And that's that's the point that I was making from the way things were, wherever we were knocked, knocked off our perch. I fucking hate that expression. I hate that bastard. Um, I do as well. I'm going to keep using yeah. it until we're back on because it's, so, it's, a, it's a motivator. Well, that's that's sound. But like I said, it's 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 not the same then. It's not like Manchester United can just go, oh, well, do you know what? It's just that it was just going to be better than that team. They don't have to be better than that team. They don't have to be better than Liverpool. They don't have to be better than Chelsea. They have to be better than all five of the other teams. And that's fucking not easy. It's really not. So, you know, would Chelsea be in the position they are now if they hadn't had a pretty much injury-free season and no Europe to contend with? No. That Premier League would be a fucking dogfight from start to finish. And this is the weird thing where because you've got six teams the likelihood that all of them are going to be in Europe is slim to none for any length of time. So you might find in the next few years, the team that gets knocked out of Europe earliest is the team that actually goes on to win the league. Well, listen, we're, we're, we're going down memory lane. We've, we've conquered Europe. Let's, let's, talk, let's, let's get back to West Bromwich Albion, uh, which is, which is yeah. much more important in the grand scheme of things. Neil, yourself, where do you stand on, on the West Brom game? Yeah, I mean, I think we can win. Uh, I had it actually penciled in for a draw. I had the three points at Stoke and a draw at West Brom. Haven't seen last weekend's fixtures, though. Uh, pan out. We can, we could definitely beat West Brom. I think if we score the first goal, we win the game because I don't think that they're really bothered at this stage. Um, they've lost 1-0 at home to a Gabbiadini-less... Southampton, um, we know Southampton don't score many goals away from home. Uh, they don't score many goals full stop. It suggests to me, there's a question mark over Gareth McCauley as well, who's one of the best players that came off in the game uh, against Southampton. So that would be a big miss for them if he doesn't start. And like I say, I think they've got their, they're pretty much guaranteed their highest ever Premier League finish or joint highest ever Premier League finish. Um, I think they're pretty much on their own in the position that they're in, which is what eighth or ninth. I also think that if they if they score first, if they fucking score from a header, if Michael if Craig Dawson, it's Craig Dawson that plays for them, not Michael Dawson. If he gets up and fucking knocks one in after ten minutes, then who knows? Could be another Stoke, or it could be another Burnley. You know. But if we score first, we could go. We could quite easily go on and beat them. And having had the Stoke result last week, and having had to turn it round from an abject start against the odds and one 0 down, things are going wrong, and you're not playing well. And yeah, having done that, I think you're absolutely right in what you said, Dave. The club has the perfect fucking message to give them. Listen, you can beat these teams. You have beaten these teams. You did beat the precursor to West Brom in Stoke last week, you know, the blueprint, you've, you've beaten that and you can do it again. And won't, and you keep putting these three points on the board and nobody is going to catch you for that top four and you'll get your dream of Champions League football and all the rest of it. 
So I think we can win, and hopefully we do. Uh, I, I agree with Ali. I don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk. Uh, having said that, if we, if we get the first, if we get an early goal, you never know. It might open up, might be easier. Um, but I can see it being a, a gritty enough game, and we'll probably win it two 0 or two one. Dave, yourself? I will. We always score, don't we? We'll score. Because we always do. From what we're going to leak. <laughs> well, well, this, this brings me on to my following point. It's how many we concede. It's how many we concede. So, and I think this is this is the reason for us, us seeing the seeing the four or the the three at the back um, on Sunday. We'll 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 want to fill our box with people who can head the ball out of the box and see at the moment. I'm, a, I'm the biggest fan of heading the ball out of our penalty area that there's ever been. I just want to see us consistently head the ball out of our box. Not like Jeannie Wijnaldum heading the ball back into our box, but the opposite of that. You can see what he was trying to do, though. He just got this fucking timing all wrong. Came oh, wrong he got everything wrong, didn't he? He got everything wrong. <laughs> got it all wrong. Still can't so, believe he wasn't given offside, mind you. But anyway. Well, this is true. This is true. Um, so yeah, see for the next the next six games, let's just see us head the ball out of the box. But we've we've got enough to beat them. I think we've got players coming into form. Um, Coutinho showing the same form as he showed at the start of the year, which which let's be honest, it was it was it was player After of the year form. Yep. It was player of the year form. It was um, three goals in three games. Love him playing in that fucking role. Uh, um, the left hand side of the front three, just absolutely love it. So. Everything is starting to turn the way we want to. The fact we went and got three points without without the front any of the front four starting a game on on Saturday is is the biggest confidence booster to everyone else in the squad. And the other thing that would say has been a big contributing factor to the turnaround in form is um, the form of Emre Chan, who has been good probably from eight games ago from four games ago he has got better and better and better oh, yeah. and better absolutely outstanding so that that's how did you um, say that Dunning? look Ali credit credit where credit's due you know I'm, I'm the first I'm the first to turn around and, and, and say when someone someone's really impressed me in the pitch and and you know he, he has been poor this season there's fucking no getting away from it but the last four games you've just seen such a fucking drastic improvement yeah. um, that that's a huge huge benefit for the squad going into these next six games it's massive yeah absolutely and there's a lot of talk that he's, he's been carrying an injury for most of the season and I think um, the upturn in form coincides with them sort of releasing the the fact that he's he's now over that injury and you know maybe there's a little bit of you know uh, what's the word I don't know, I can't think of it. Maybe it's not 100% true that it's, it's actually happened completely simultaneously with, the, with that back being released. Maybe there was a, a few weeks or whatever where he was over the injury but not quite back to 100%. But he has really kicked on. And the power that he has in that central midfield position, driving forward, knocking players, it's not essentially knocking players out of the way. The vision that he has as well, which is something that's often forgotten because he's, you know, very good um, with the ball at his feet. He can see a pass. He he can ping one over the top or he can slide it through. Very aware of what's around him. And yet he's been really, really excellent the last 
four, five, six games. His his pass on Saturday for the the Coutinho goal when he chipped it through to Sturridge um, was just magnificent. Yeah, and uh, there's just a, a vision to hold off the player beforehand, as you said, Neil. Yeah, just he's holding off the player, turn, but nah, simple pass on. No, let's let's get in behind. You know why they're. Why they're pushing out, let's just get straight over and behind. And Sturridge's movement for that was incredible as well, to be fair to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Sturridge is, well, I thought Sturridge was done. I mean, uh, I know sort of needs, yeah, maybe it was it was forced on Klopp in a way to, to play him at the weekend uh, because of injuries and, and the like. But I think he, you know, he, he still contributed massively. The movement, as you said, played a huge contributory factor in the goal. He played also. Um, the outside of the foot pass, doesn't he? It's incredible. For, yeah. it, 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 it ends up, it results in the first goal. It's, yeah. it's incredible. The vision, the vision and the weight, it's just, and he's, he's not the same player as he was three years ago. He's not. No. He doesn't have that change of pace um, and that, doesn't have the explosivity that, yeah, like. that electric burst that he had, but, you know, he's, he's a, He's an intelligent footballer and he's a technically gifted footballer. And it's just a huge shame that he can't stay fit for any fucking length of time. But if he can offer something in the next six games, then more you all know, the better. Yeah. All the better. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean and it's nice to be talking about players now who are in a bit of form. As we said, uh, Coutinho Firmino earlier. It's nice to see them back on form. Emery Chan, we've, we've just mentioned, and, and Sturridge, even if he's only contributing cameo roles, if he's producing when he's on the pitch, then you know it just bodes well going into this, this run in and going into the West Brom game. And actually, you know, I could I could see Sturridge getting a goal against West Brom. I can't see him finishing the season without a Premier League goal. Has he scored in the league yet? I don't think he has. No, I could he, be wrong. He, he hasn't scored in the league. Can't see him finishing the season without getting one. So maybe, maybe Sunday's the day. Well, we'll wait and see. We shall wait and see. Aye. We're we're sort of up on time here, guys. Is there anything anybody else wants to bring before we close? Feel free. By that deathly silence, I take it that's a no. Okay then. <laughs> We'll work our way around the table, as we always do, um, and we'll start with Ali this time. Where can we be finding you? Uh, what are you doing? Um, I know you're a pod whoring at the moment. Tell us all where you are and what you're doing. Apart from the pods I lost on you. <laughs> yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at AliThompson84, and I have been a little bit of a pod tour. I'd done the LFC podcasting couch last night with Niche, talking about the the money we could recuperate off selling players. So check that out. It was, it was really fun to be on. And just check back, obviously, 11 pieces of me on WFI. Um, there's not been a new one in a few weeks, but we'll remedy that soon. Yes, well, again, we've sort of lost two of the last three, Ali, which... <laughs> Don't even go there. I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's uh, the Beal one I'm bothered about. Uh, don't, even, don't go there. Just don't go there. It's, it's, still, <laughs> it's, a raw, it's raw. It's raw. Listen, I'll move on to Dave. Um, what uh, cleaning product do you want to endorse this week? And where can we find you on Twitter? I'm endorsing Solid Bang this week, Dave. As you it essential. <laughs> it's essential for every household kitchen. And it will make your life so much easier. Um, other than that, I have uh, nothing to plug um, other than um, bottle. So we're plugging bottle this week. Any type of bottle that you want. Right. Bottle well, of, a bottle of fate. Would you just leave bottle out of what we're doing all right? 
<laughs> Forget about bottles this week. Too late for that, Dave. <laughs> right, Neil, yourself, where can you be found? Uh, have you ever written anything? Every time I ask you, you've never, you've never written anything. No, I've not written this year at all. I just haven't found a... Find the find the time really not being arsed. Yeah, there's a bit of not arseness, but there's a bit of yeah, it's a bit of fucking, you know, you sort of get dragged into it, like and you think ah oh, for a moment, yeah, it'd be great to write about that. I'm fucking angry about that or whatever, and then then you sort of notice that uh, four other people have written about the same, so there's a bit of a pile up. But uh, you know, I think uh, I'm gonna look to get back into it with, at at some point when maybe the. The workload dies down a bit from the day job. But, um, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter, if you can be bothered, at Neil1980. Um, otherwise, you can find me on here. Uh, um, and in terms of plugging, yeah, WFI is always always worth a plug. And if you're in a, in a TV-watching mood, then I would plug a bit of Follow the Money on, uh, I think it was on BBC, but you can find it at, uh, actually it's a Danish show. There's been two series. It's pretty fucking good. Like It's uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, I've, I'm still on 24. I eventually got around to watching it like 20 years later. That's uh, it, kind of all right. But listen, I just want to plug... It's great, Dave. It's great. It's the best show. It's the best show ever created. Truth be told. I, I don't know. It took me about eight episodes to get into it, but now I'm into it. And I'm only in series one, like, but now I'm into it. I'm kind of into it. Um, Neil sort of suggested me last week it was you need to be there at the time but I think maybe that's why it took me eight episodes but yeah. <laughs> but I'm liking it anyway but I just want to plug uh, WFI as well we've got our usual pods we're sort of back to normal this week I've had uh, all kinds of problems in the last couple of weeks and the content's been down but everything's working there and what's more the, the, the website's full of articles as well so you can check out uh, www.worldfootballindex.com and as I say lots of good stuff guys have started weekly columns and whatnot. new writers joining all the time so it, it's growing well over there as well as the podcast but as I say all the usual pods are there and we'll be back again hopefully with both feet or being confident by talking about having both feet in the, in the Champions League for the coming season And until then, just thanks to the guys as always, and it's goodbye from me. 